we've been doing a lot of concerted programming across the performing and visual arts, um, providing language courses as well as information more generally about the uh, uh, sort of unique characteristics, as I said, of Korean culture and what are the global undertones that uh, underpin this exchange, you know, so looking at it from a 360 angle, what does this mean? So popular culture is one part of what we do. We also focus a bit on the traditional end of things, but our real interest is in the middle bit where there is a contemporary reinvention or revisitation of culture. So uh, of tradition, sorry. So how does tradition stay alive when we are looking at all the newer resonances which keep it alive and keep it relevant to people? So cut quickly then to the pandemic situation. And we have found that there's a 360% increase in terms of saturation, in terms of viewing of Korean uh, content that's provided on OTT platforms such as Netflix, for instance. We've had Netflix, Netflix tell, and India has become the sixth largest consumer of Korean content in the world in a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah. And if you interestingly look at the kind of age group who's going for this, it's not strictly the younger uh, you know, millennial group who's looking at this only. You also have grandmothers, those in their, you know, uh, 30s and 40s and 50s. So it's a very, very broad spectrum of viewers. And we'll come on in a bit as to what we think is a reason for this. I mean, why do they relate so much to Korean uh, content, which on the surface, Korea seems, uh, Korea and India seem like chalk and cheese. So what is this underlying this? Is there something emotively in terms of societal norms, in terms of language links, distinct as they may seem, the, uh, you know, Korean is Ural Altaic and uh, the Tamil language for which there's a lot of overlap is uh, Dravidian language. And linguists for the longest time have said that the twain shall never meet. These are two completely separate streams. So what is it historically and otherwise that has led to this sort of overlap of languages? Um, so there are the, all of those very interesting areas to look at as well. Also, increasingly, I think over the years, there has been uh, a concerted look east policy. There has been the comprehensive economic partnerships signed between India and Korea. Governments of the two countries have been talking and using this frame of not just look east, but act east. And there is, I think, worldwide a sort of a geopolitical shift where increasingly the focus is on the big players in the East, which is China and India. In this case, Korea seems much more aligned, South Korea much more aligned with India in terms of the way forward, the terms of, in terms of they're the single largest investing uh, country into uh, Indian uh, commercial ventures. So from Hyundai to the automotive industry to the, you know, Samsung's LGs of the world. So when we started in 2006, it was very much a sort of consumer reference point where you looked at Korean products and that's how you sort of said, okay, this comes from a faraway land called Korea. But what has happened is thankfully because culture has followed very closely behind, there is a dotted line link between cultural links and building up and changing of hearts and minds through culture in a very positive way for Korea. So with the pandemic and the, I suppose the time that we now have to sort of, you know, browse and look at content, we've had such a good response in terms of people uh, relating to these serials, relating to music, relating more in terms of what does it do to you emotionally? 
I've had people calling up to tell me I've been very depressed and down with all these constraints of the pandemic. I feel really lonely and cut off. And we've sort of just chatted and said, or sometimes almost flippantly to say, hey, listen, these are the two or three dramas that are worth watching. Give it a shot. Tell me what you feel. And I mean, really interestingly, coming back later for people to say that I feel a lot better, I feel happier, I feel, you know, I relate to music, not so much the music, but the attributes that these icons or these, uh, these stars stand for. So there's definitely something deeper. It's not a flash in the pan thing, I think. It is something that is here to stay and here to grow. And India being so heterogeneous, it will grow in that way. It will morph in many different ways from Northeast, maybe very saturated, very different. They have the big hornbill festivals to which Korean artists are regularly called in. We are slowly getting in with the K-Wave competitions that the Korean Cultural Center hosts and we help to host in the South or the consulate in Chennai hosts and we support. We've got regular programs coming in other art forms, whether it is literature or music or theater or film or ceramics, sculpture, painting. So you, what we try to do is to keep Korea in a holistic manner in the news. And from there you pick off whatever you relate to and then automatically uh, people become advocates. I think there's, we, we present, we engage and we continue to nurture, but afterwards it's out there. It, that's what I meant by the tipping point because it just then goes like wildfire everywhere. Absolutely. So that's what this girl actually told me. She is from the Northeast uh, and told me, she says, you know, now how these dramas, they're dramas which make you happy. It's like people have found the happy quotient. They've healed people. Yeah. You also do get irritated and also like how it's shown love is a slow burn process you know yeah. the men seem perfect the women are also now emerging as bold how narratives have changed right and also there are similarities you celebrate your similarities you but are also willing to observe and assimilate yeah. the dissimilarities yes. but I think that's a very important point, Pooja, because yeah. it is about, and that's what our uh, organization is all about. It's about celebrating those differences, respecting those differences, understanding that they may be different, but also through introspection and reflection, looking at our own culture and finding however fleeting it may be that shared space. You know, it's a beautiful moment when that happens. Any collaboration that we've done, whether theater, music, dance, that shared space is a very difficult space to get to because you're not appropriating you're not doing yeah. it tokenistically. You're waiting for it to naturally happen. So whether it's rhythmic scales, whether it's percussion, whether it's shamanistic dance forms, whether it's looking at traditional art forms where music, dance and acting and theater all blend together. How does this work? I mean, what are, what are these kind of, what is this underlying grid, you know? So is there a grid at all? Is it an Asian grid? Because I think India for the longest time has been trying to figure out where we fit. We've been trying to mediate through the West because of a colonial past and all the baggage that comes with that. We have been trying to also look East to see where do we fit? I mean, I've been at certain seminars in, in, in Korea where they wonder where to put me, you know, in which panel. And I'm finally Asia, Oceania or something, you know? So it's- Oh yes, of course, you yeah. Australia, you have New Zealand, we have India. So where do you really fit India in? It's seen like, a, it's only recently that it is, uh, people are beginning to engage. I mean, there are lots of students who come into Pune. We've got, plenty of students who take the Korean language course because they are so interested in Korean aspects of Korean culture. Earlier it used to be, it was for employment because the largest cluster outside of Gurgaon, I mean, we've got uh, the, the largest cluster of small and medium companies in and around Chennai. So yeah. we've got, when, when we started in 2006, there were about 60 companies. We've now got over 300. 
and this is a this is a solid sort of infrastructure and wow. uh, i just want to add that i think we're a very unique organization in that it's corporate support for the arts it's part of their csr mandate that they support culture now there isn't any immediate yeah. effect in terms of selling products they are we always call them partners not sponsors you know so it's not about having their products on display or eyeball space for their brand it's not that at all but how do you by relating to excellent quality driven products dotted line go back to an appreciation of the culture or the nation from which it comes and i think that's exactly what all the cultural aspects do as well when you see a really well produced korean drama and you may or may not agree with the with the, the storyline you may not relate to the actors you might find them too androgynous for your liking you may you know definitely you'll pick up a lot about korea looking at from landscape to architecture to language but somewhere if it has touched a chord and you have you become a fan i mean you 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 then you then changed positively in heart and mind totally totally you, you know so then automatically anything that comes out of that country be it product or be it emotion you tend to relate to it totally i totally resonate <laughs> with that because in yeah. 2015 uh. people called me just obsessed i was sampling korean products uh, buying k beauty would go to singapore attend a korean fan meet i didn't need to be there among 16 year olds you have this 40 over mid 40 women you know like were you and everybody would look at me why do you like these guys who were obviously 20 years younger than me you know because that's the current crop but i just feel they're very very cool and um, yes i would some also you know the way they strategically the product placements so if you're abroad and you if you see the change you are going to end up going there saying my characters were there you know so it's also bridged communities this is what i wanted to say in this year i have befriended acquaintances and strangers have actually become my friends who i interact with because we've all formed this as this girl told me she says it's like a secret society we are discussing things that make us happy strangers have become friends our time zones don't matter yeah Bound, borders don't matter we are all discussing what makes us happy I mean, Twitter chats have translated into WhatsApp groups. Strangers have shared numbers. Amazing. So I, yeah. So if I say Korea actually has been the perfect example of a soft power and cultural diplomacy yes. in 2020. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. It's it, it is. I think always all of our work has been positioned as such to be the most powerful soft power because it is slowly happening, almost a process of osmosis. and as i was mentioning to you the other day we have these three distinct words which is discover engage connect you can come on anywhere you like you might have discovered korea not yet engaged or you might have engaged but you're still discovering something and automatically you connect so these are these are just sort of you know uh, uh uh milestones along the way as you go along but it's so important for us to recognize what is happening here you know why is it that we are relating to this culture and why is that uh, allowing us to reflect so much of our own because often when you're very close to your own you don't analyze it so much it is so part of you and it's you've absorbed it so much that you don't even question it until somebody asks you and that somebody is often a foreigner or out of your immediate region who asks you why do you do that I'll give you a small example. We had a, a ceramic residency. It was a five-week residency here at Kalakshetra in Chennai, and the Korean and Indian artists lived together, stayed together, created together, mm-hmm. and out of airy nothingness, suddenly they had created these beautiful pieces, which we then had in an exhibition. 
But when we were getting it all ready, and it was the day for the firing when the kill was being loaded, we have uh, apparently, uh, I mean, and this is all the local people who were assisting us to put it together. They took tender coconut water and uh, they had a small, they had a little Ganesha up there and they had a little prayer and then they, you know, sprayed the water. And we found that the Koreans were absolutely stunned because they were saying koshire and they were doing their own without, they didn't, they normally do it with the rice wine. They didn't have the rice wine here. So they were just yeah. through the motion. And we were each, it was a moment where each one was asking the other, what did you just do and why did you do that? And, they, and the reason was exactly the same, that it wow. goes through safely, it doesn't break and it comes out the way you have envisaged it. That's it. You know, this is, this is one perfect example. We sometimes stop people in their tracks when they say something and say, tell us what you mean when someone says uh, um, iriva. Iriva is ingeva in Tamil. Va is come. Yeah. So, I know come that. Here, it's the same word. Come here. So we say, what did you mean by that? And they say, this is exactly what we meant. You have the funny one, which is tongpe, which is like tope, which is your, which is your tummy. Huh. And you have ipal, which is pal. Huh. You know, there's a Canadian scholar. We're doing a research project also. This is a Canadian scholar, Korean scholar in Canada, who's working on these lists. And he says there are over 800 words and much more in terms of phrases and in terms of intention, you know, the, the associative word might have changed, which is very similar between Korean and Tamil. And then you go back and say, how did this happen? Did it go back years before when a princess went from India to think it's contestable? People say Ayodhya and the, the, the North, maybe a land route. We say it is from the Ai kingdom, which is Kanyakumari up to Kerala down south, going by the sea route. Now, this is all still being researched and checked out and you know, facts being put into place. But there is established trade routes between Southern India. The, they were great, the Cholas and those before were yep. great shipbuilders and they've moved out and come back. Now, did the language go with that? We know Buddhism yep. went from here. So yes. Dharma, who went from Kanchipuram, went all the way up to China, Shaolin Temple and all the rest came, whether he came into Korea or not, contested. There are places in Korea that say he came here and then disappeared. All this is still in the realm of discussion and research. But I'm saying there must have in antiquity been some kind of associative link. Now, was this trade? If so, it's kind of complete 360 where several years later, after brutal Japanese colonization, 35 years of completely being cut off from the rest of the world as Hermit Kingdom, you have Hyundai Motor coming to Chennai to open their first factory almost 25 years ago. So it, it, it's really quite, quite. Uh, I mean, whether you call it a fortuitous or a happy coincidence, that now it is trade coming back. And if culture doesn't follow close behind, it becomes a very vapid, it's very commercial kind of uh, uh, connect. True. You know, so th there is a, a, certainly a, a kind of a very deep emotive link between these two countries, you know. We also wear our uh, wear our uh, all our emotions on our sleeves. I think Koreans so do they. That you know whether they laugh or cry or get angry or fall in love or express an emotion of any sort. Uh, so that's something you relate to. There's a there's a distinct family hierarchy which is there, which I think we relate to. Totally. There is uh, there is a uh, uh, you know you have the Sasbahu things that we see a lot, but the same thing happens there. You have and have you seen when the women fight, they pull each other's hair? Each I was other's like, where hair. does this happen? I've seen it happen here. Exactly. exactly. And when you look at food, you have the seasonality of food. 
they also have things that you have i mean grandmothers would whip up in the summers and the winters different very different in terms of spice potions and everything else we also have our achars that we make and pickles that we make and put it aside in jars they do their kimchi kimchi every every year there's almost like a kimchi festival where everybody yeah kimjang moments is like when yeah. the neighborhood gets together this is what happens exactly. when they making achar and sharbat here exactly and the whole community feel which now maybe with cities and nuclear families might have dissipated somewhat you have that community feeling of sharing food food as a kind of expression of love you know food as a kind of community bonding sort of feeling you know so yeah. like you have ashwagandha in uh, in uh, ayurvedic uh, concoctions you've got the ginseng which is the sort of root of everything sort of uh, magic root which is there in 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 korea fermentation processes immunity building processes in terms of their food and if you go back they had something called the bek ban which is very similar to our thali so the thali which has a composite pot of rice and several side dishes huh. to have it like that and we don't generally share thalis it's meant to be like one for one person in korea what has happened is they keep a pot of rice for themselves but all the side dishes have gone out in the sense yeah. that each one shares those side dishes everyone generously shares that with it but the bake ban is a concept which still is there in villages if you go a little bit back in terms of food history you will find it examples of that there are wonderful examples of people who like we have our daba walas carrying the dabas all over in mumbai you have people with big plates mainly women with huge big plates and the food whatever has been ordered by office blocks and office goers and they take it up there and it's served there very quickly very efficiently uh, the oh. more modern day concept of that are the bikes the scooters where you can yeah. order, like your dunzos you order and they are amazing they will just have, i don't think there's a spot in korea that they don't deliver even high up in the mountains they would come and give it to you totally totally they are very very enterprising people and not just food but they also order consumer durables you know not it's not strange to see a fridge or something being delivered in quick speed you know with a guy cutting across traffic and going to get it to you on on totally that. totally so, and also i've seen you know the first you had english i haven't heard you know and now con english has become like everybody saying unni sarange deba aiku right i mean everyone wants to learn the other day somebody showed me a meme of a korean star saying uh, so nuna planning to come to seoul but we don't go you know walk around with subtitles everyone <laughs> wants to love korean you know yeah. it's like yeah. i mean it's just amazing yeah i wanted to also share with you uh, puja that initially we had in 2007 8 we had a lot of people wanting to learn not a lot of people it was a, it was a, a few concentrated people who wanted to say listen we want to learn korean because there are many korean companies coming in and it's an employability opportunity but over the years we've been tracking this quietly and the numbers have just grown exponentially of people who want to learn to know what their ideas are singing or saying you know whether it's drama or k pop what is it that they, that's the driver for them to learn if they get a job by the way it's okay but that's not the main thing at all and all of them we even tried to pull them in to do certain we're going to start in july podcast and others all of them passionately interested in one or the other or sometimes in all aspects of korean culture so we just k enthusiasts who we're gathering together yeah yeah and today today we have uh, we've just op- uh, going to open out for the june intake and it's already full within seconds we've got a 400 long waiting list so how do we accommodate because we can't have that many learners at one go you know so what is it that we do we would certainly like to keep engaging with them because 
here are people who are genuinely interested and want to know more. So language also, with the, as far as the government is concerned, the national NEP, the NEP policy, the new education policy, has brought in Korean as one of the languages. So CBSE and others, um, I think, mulling over the idea of how to bring this in as an option. As an optional language, that would be great because earlier, earlier it was French, Chinese, and you know, option yeah. Korean would be like certainly. Yeah. And uh, as we said, this seems to be the Hallyu 3.0 because 2.0 uh, yeah. has had 2007s happened, and also you tourism. I also see tourism is going to be uh, on the rise because everyone forget about Europe. Everybody wants to head this way now. Definitely, definitely. I agree with you. And I think, again, K-drama as a catch-all has really shown, and it has shown people, like you're watching it and saying, oh my gosh, this is a place I want to visit. And when you do visit, and if you do visit, then there are wonderful spots where these dramas have actually been created, kept so well that you can go there and revisit that. You know, you from sure. costumes to literally just going there and eating what your stars ate or just, just being in that same space, whatever it may be with all the merchandise that goes with it, et cetera, et cetera. So recently we had a, a webinar with uh, KTO and the Hindu, and it was really very interesting because uh, it showed quite clearly while we were talking about food, cosmetics, and cosmetics more in terms of skincare becoming more important than makeup, or, you know, again, during the pandemic, and then K-drama. So looking at all of this, how does this make Korea an aspirational destination? to travel to post-pandemic. And what are the various steps? They, they're very, very aggressive in their testing and tracing. So we were asking the KTO director, what is the what are the plans post-pandemic? Are you going to have specific uh, K-tours uh, related to music or related to drama? And I think all of this is definitely on the cards. And people are looking at a, at a sort of, uh, you know, special tours where they can engage with these places and with the language and the food and everything in terms of you know fashion and uh, the, the creative industries, if you like. Um, so that uh, I think tourism as a destination, 100%, we already had a whiff of this in the past. We, had, we run a competition for children, which is painting, a painting competition. And this is for classes eight, nine, and 10, looking, uh, and sometimes 11 and 12 come in as well. So that, that segment. People who are interested and we, there's a theme and all of that. So it's India, Korea and Japan. In other words, in terms of cities, it is Chennai, Seoul and Tokyo. So this, the finalists are then 25 uh, youngsters then become little ambassadors and they go across to Korea. There's a whole one week to 10 day immersion program. They go to the Buddhist temples, they visit the place, everything, all the rest of it. And I was so touched and really moved to see that parents, because we, while we cover costs for those who simply cannot afford it, the rest of them fend for themselves. And parents were so willing, sometimes too, if two of them were in the same family, they were so willing to buy the tickets and send their children to Korea. When earlier, some a year, a few years ago, it would have been unthinkable. They would have said, oh, if it's Europe or it's UK or the US. Yeah. So without doing too much, this sort of intense, what was below the radar, I think, before. There were lots of people who were blogging or they were keeping in touch. With social media booming, with the Instagram culture, with sort of WhatsApp and Twitter and everything bursting forth, and most importantly, everything coming right into our living rooms with OTT. This has now become something which is, which is so palpable, you know? People are calling up to us. They come and ask us for information. Now it's slowed down because of the there's no travel as such happening. But there's a lot of inquiry about can there be specific tours planned out? 
can there be uh, you know can you give us a booklet with some information for instance there are a lot of vegetarians in south india so there are a little bit of a worry will we get vegetarian food and i said my god there's such a lot that you can choose from and let us help you give you a list of 10 or less to 15 we recently did with kto a, a, a fun event which was korean cooking for indian homes so what can you do in your home very easily you know not the high funder recipes but something that you can easily pick up from your local you know vegetable vendor and cook up for you a, a quick meal for you in the in the kitchen so i think there are there are it bodes well for travel it definitely means that korea is going to get on the people's bucket list i'm sure and it is an aspirational uh, uh, destination as i said for language for e-commerce so many e-commerce sites that have started now selling cosmetics yeah. for food ingredients and in terms of the creative industries per se if there are collaborations if there are ideas of you know research and working together i think now is the time you know totally yeah cool Awesome! Thank you so much. So, I mean, Korean pop culture. I mean, food, drama, music yeah. has really made actually Korea the shining example of uh, cultural I diplomacy. To, I wanted to also tell you that there's been some very interesting uh, uh, shifts. So, for instance, uh, you have the New York Times who was looking at content creation and the rest of it, which was very Hong Kong based, now shifting to Seoul. because wow. Seoul is seen as very tech savvy very uh, forward looking progressive in terms of working working on this you've had big uh, uh, journals like the wall street journal who's been tracking what's happening with the entertainment industry there there's a wonderful mm. article about sm entertainment and dreamworks for instance uh, looking at what they call culture technology so mm. literally that you can using the technological platform you can design a space which might be so exotic like it's under the sea or in the coliseum or somewhere where you can't physically have a program if you were to have a program you may not physically have a program so you, but the but the one additional thing that makes it so exciting is that they have a whole wall almost like a full cover with all the fans coming in so whether it's bts's army or you know shinies she wo whoever coming in you have all of them all of their faces so the stars literally feel that they are responding to their fans wow, wow. so the icon fan connect that they have kept and most importantly they have started uh, making this a sort of revenue generating stream so having lost out last year in terms of gate collections and everything but having to keep the ecosystem going how do they do it so they began to charge i think shinies was the first example of 40 dollars for for you to be able to view the so it's like a 3000 or whatever equivalent ticket that you would buy to actually interact and meet with your with your uh, idols and this was a very popular thing which was sold out in no time bts in i think 17th of april they had a show they had something like 2.7 billion watching at one time yeah so i'm not i mean nothing can really replace the direct the physical and the one to one person but given that we are in such a peculiar situation right now and given that the industry has to be kept together i think uh, what wall street journal article suggests is that many people in the west and the rest of the world can pick a leaf from this strategic approach and i think the strategic approach is very important in terms of how the hallyu or the korean wave as a cultural export it has literally been managed it has been managed so well it's it's not a not for nothing that the ministry that manages it is culture sports and tourism so they come under one the mcst is uh, comes under one bracket so you can see the 
the the sort of you know uh, link between these three sectors they're not viewed as separate so whether it is the olympics that happened in korea or whether it is all of these halyu products going out it is in a sense a very strategic nation building exercise wow it's about goodwill it's about changing hearts and minds and it's about welcoming people and i think korea when you get there you find that it's such a welcoming place it's such a safe place you feel so safe when you go in there when i went in there first in 2007 not knowing the language not knowing a soul but i just still felt so much at home there was no fear you could walk out at 2 3 in the morning and you're you're okay you're fine you know so and sometimes i feel when you don't know the language or when you are conscious of the fact that it's a different culture you listen and relate differently absolutely totally you know with with a lot more uh, compassion and little bit more open mindedness and you're there you you connect totally i so resonate with that because i remember how i grudgingly began watching a drama and within like two days i was hooked and there's been no coming back from the universe that i am in fantastic and so i like it it's my happy place it's my so, happy place yeah and and on that note i want to say that whatever makes you happy so whether it is skincare routines whether it's the food you try out and you eat we've had so many examples of people from dalgona coffee to you know chocolates and cookies and things that people have been in the first part of last year they were all experimenting in the kitchen and trying stuff out it could be gardening and plants it could be you know binge watching on tv whatever it is that makes you happy so we were talking even at the other forum that it's about emotional stability it's about wellness in its truest sense so it's body and mind so whatever you take off from it not saying that other cultures don't have anything to offer by all means i mean whatever works for you you know but the number of people who've been coming back to talk about this as more than just the genre it is there to refresh the mind to make you feel peaceful to make you feel comfortable so that's i think a huge thumbs up for all that is happening absolutely and, and uh, i again uh, reiterate that it's very important for us to uh, not to do this tokenistically but to be able to realize that there is a joy in respecting that difference and celebrating similarity i think that is that is a key point to all of I this i to- i totally agree thank you so much for your time this has just been wonderful thank you pooja and i'll get back thank to you as we plan the podcast and other things i would love to please do please do i would just love to contribute in any way possible just to show that yes, it comes from here and please do share with me the this link if you have it and uh, yeah of course also, i will also when you're writing you're writing for outlook is it i'm writing for outlook uh, magazine i'll share that link i'll put my article yeah yeah yes absolutely it's absolutely been such a pleasure talking to you same yeah likewise yeah. likewise thank you Take so care. much bye 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 okay i think now where to